What's up, everybody? Coming at you with another episode of Sports Talk Buffalo. In this episode, we have a very special guest host, my buddy Mark. We're going to go ahead and talk about the Antonio Brown non-trade to the Bills. Also, we're going to talk about some potential targets from the Combine and also free agency for the Buffalo Bills. We're also going to discuss how we think both of the UB Bulls did at the Draft Combine in Tyree Jackson and Anthony Johnson. Stick around. It's going to be fun. Before we jump into this podcast, I'm going to go ahead and remind everybody, if you like what you're hearing, go ahead, tell your friends, tell your family, get this podcast out there. You can follow me on Twitter at Sports Talk Buffalo 716 You can also hear me on any of the major podcasting websites, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, Anchor. So if you're ready, let's jump into it. What's up, everybody? As I said in the opening, I'm going to have a very special guest host today, somebody who has joined me before and somebody who in the very near future may be starting his very own podcast. We have again with us Mark. Mark, thank you for coming back on Sports Talk Buffalo with me. Hey, so happy to be back on with you guys, man. It's it's really exciting and I'm totally psyched to talk, you know, NFL free agency, Bills news, all of it. Awesome, man. So let's jump right into it. The crazy, crazy news that we all thought that we were actually going to hear and be a part of some big news. Instead, we kind of just ended up being the butt of some jokes, a lot of jokes. Uh, (laughs) If you lost lost sleep over uh, this, raise your hand. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, So a few days ago, it was reported, if you don't know what we're talking about, you must live under a rock, but uh, a few days ago, it was reported by Ian Rappaport that said a deal for Antonio Brown was imminent and that just a few things needed to be worked out. And then uh, the Buffalo Bills would acquire Antonio Brown, which is a, obviously the huge fish out there right now. And a name that the Bills fans, Bills Mafia, and everyone who follows the Bills never seen in a million years would think that, you know, the Bills would even inquire about Antonio Brown for a lot, of let reasons. alone, yeah, let alone even be the front runner, so to speak, um, to land Antonio Brown. Of course, AB tweeted not too long after this came out that this was, quote, fake news, leaving many of us to wonder what was actually going on with this trade. And obviously now the latest reports are saying that Buffalo is completely out on the Antonio Brown front. Along so, with uh, a what, handful of other teams as well. <laughs> well, well, yeah, obviously we're seeing, we're seeing the, uh, the problem side of, of Antonio Brown. I don't know what he's trying to accomplish by doing all of this. Um, I think he might find his way out of the league pretty quick if no teams inquire about him. He might just get cut and and be uh, you know be looking for a team via free agency at at some point. So uh, I the uh, latest reports that I remember hearing were the two teams that are now apparently in on Antonio Brown are the Raiders and oh my god, who was the other team? I'm drawing a blank now. Uh, Philly, actually. So uh, Oakland and Philly are the two teams, and I think the Raiders wow. may have the edge. I did see a report that wow. Brown was on Instagram Live. Yeah, I think he was working out with his trainer, and he was saying something to the effect of, oh, there's big news coming, going to announce my new team soon. And I believe maybe somebody had commented that, oh, get your, your black and silver gear ready. So, wow. Okay. Well, yeah. as, as everybody knows or doesn't know, uh, the Raiders plethora of draft picks this year, trading away uh, guys like Khalil Mack. They have, a, I think, what three three first round picks. Yeah, something like that to, to, to work with. So, if that's something that that Pittsburgh was looking for to get a first round pick, uh, 
I'm guessing they, they probably got it with the Oakland Raiders. I'm guessing it's not going to be a high first-round pick, but more of a later first-round pick, but that's fine. There's other reports that were saying that Antonio Brown is basically the one who said no to the trade to Buffalo and that he, he basically wouldn't show up and report for the Bills if that trade went through. Uh, I mean, how surprised were you by that? Kind of, I'm curious. I By him saying he wouldn't report? Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised by the whole thing. I'm surprised uh, McDermott and Bean even thought to inquire uh, about Antonio Brown. Honestly, my personal feelings – Guy's a third, going to be a 31-year-old. I don't know if he turned 31 yet. I think he's going to be 31 when the season starts, regardless. Going to be 31 years old, wide receiver. Uh, he's been – I think he's been the best wide receiver over the past six years in terms of yards and catches and things of that nature. But he is going to be on the downside of his career. Obviously, he's still going to be an effective player, but I don't think I would give up a whole lot to get a guy who's going to be on the second half of his career, maybe the, the, you know, the last third of his career, possibly um, spend all that draft capital, spend all that money to get a guy who may be a locker room problem and not just a locker room problem, but uh, you know, a guy who might not be giving it his everything when he gets out there on the, you know, on the football field. And also you don't want a guy to come in here and, completely ruin any sort of confidence or swagger or anything that Josh Allen has accumulated. Josh Allen seems like he has won the guys over in that, in the Buffalo locker room with, with his moxie last year, obviously he did quite a bit with absolutely nothing. So uh, in terms of offense, he kind of willed that team to six wins. So um, yeah, it was, it was kind of a surprise. And right. I mean, I started to get excited about it. Honestly, I really did. I started to like, okay, okay, maybe this can work out for Buffalo, you know, get that old, that, that, that Buffalo optimism. And you're like, all right, yeah, okay, this could work out. And then now we're the butt of every joke in America for the last week or, or for the last few days or so calling us, uh, we're the Siberia of, <laughs> of the NFL well, and things like that, which I thought that the Cleveland Browns had that distinction up until last year, but <laughs> I guess not. All that stuff changes when you get a quarterback. That's kind of how it goes. And as of today, they are perceived to have the better quarterback. But there's still plenty, yeah, there's, there's still no, plenty of seasons left for these two guys, and all that's going to play out, and we'll find out. You know, I, I'm a Baker Mayfield fan, first and foremost. You know, I wanted him over Allen, but, I mean, uh, we, we went through you know, a season and, and kind of saw – something out of Josh Allen that made us pause and go, Hmm, maybe this could work. Yeah. You know, um, so it's, it's, it's a wait and see. I, all right. So here's, here's my deal. I was like you totally excited. I stayed up for a few hours, you know, past my quote unquote bedtime. And I was listening to WGR. I was paying attention to Twitter. I was just, I was, I was zoned in. I was ready to find out, is this happening? So I give up. I go to sleep. Nothing really is is shaking out. And I pass out. I wake up the next morning. And again, I'm checking Twitter, WGR. And I think what it was around 11 a.m. the next day that everything pretty much got cleared up. And it was like, all right, this is not happening you know, you got the Buffalo GM, Brandon Bean, coming out, and he's putting out a statement, and it's it's done. We we know it's not happening. But in between all yeah, that, it was, uh, so excited because, like you said, it's it was, it's, it's Antonio <laughs> Brown. Like, it, this wasn't going to happen. We never expected them to make a splash move like that, especially with a guy, like you said, who had such a bad falling out with – the team that drafted him and he he's had so much success with over his career. And all of a sudden all these things are happening around him and you go, Nope, that's not a, a Mc, a McBean as we call it here in Western New York. Yeah. Uh, it's not a McBean guy. He's, he's not exhibiting those traits. 
but yeah, that's it's one of those things where you go, that, it's it's talent over everything else, and we need a guy like yeah. him to come in and and help us because that is a very top positional need for us is wide receiver. I would say we need his talent. We don't need his anything else. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> that's kind they, of, were, they were willing to roll the dice. Yeah. They were willing to roll the dice. I mean, they had put themselves in a position this year to, to do a move like this. I mean, they, they spent the first two, three years, whatever it was, we're in year three now. So they spent the first two years, basically setting themselves up to, to build, something, to build up, yeah. something here for the long term. They went, all right, we're going to we're going to ignore the offense, concentrate on defense, we're going to get rid of all the old regimes guys and and basically purge ourselves of anything that used to be here and we're going to build this thing how we want it from the ground up. So they went ahead, they did that and they put themselves in a position to to do this, but also to have guys like Antonio Brown kind of look at us and say no. And that was that was, I think, Jeremy White's point when I was listening to WGR is that he said they kind of did that to themselves. You can't be mad that Antonio Brown said no because I mean, what really is attractive here right now? Like what can someone like him look at this team and go? Why would I want to play there? And offensively, and offensively, at this point, you, nothing. Has nothing <laughs> Offensive, has, offensively, nothing. It has nothing to do with the weather. I always know that's a thing, Brina, but he's coming from Pittsburgh. Okay, it's not the yeah, weather. He's coming from. Uh, yeah, it's it's coming from like what six six hours south. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's not, not that. Far. It's not the weather. It's. I think it's him looking at this team and going, "All right, clearly, by far, I'd be the best guy on the offense." You know before Shady. Shady's on his last legs and if anything, we're looking to throw the ball, not run it. So that's why you're going after a guy like him. Hopefully, yeah. But that's why you're going after a guy like him. So you go, I know I'm definitely going to be the guy. That's not an issue. But I'm looking at a a quarterback that only played in a handful of games because he got injured you know, in the beginning of the season. And even though he did some nice things, I don't know if I want to be that guy with a rookie quarterback. He seems like he, yeah. he wants to be on the West like Coast. Starting. Yeah, starting over. Like he's coming from being with Ben Roethlisberger, having tons of success, playoffs, Super Bowls, the, the, the whole night. Of, yeah. Coming from a Hall of Fame quarterback. Right. Like pretty much probably going to be a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback to right. <laughs> a guy who, you know, even Buffalo fans are kind of lukewarm about how much potential he's really going to have. You know, obviously he showed us right. some potential. He made some really awesome throws, and then he made some plays where you left you scratching your head, which is kind of exactly what you saw in college. But, again, um, yeah, it's kind of – you're right. I mean, they kind of put themselves in a position to, for these guys to say no. But I do commend these guys at taking a run at somebody that is that talented. It makes me hopeful that they will want, want to go out and spend money. It, will, it makes me hopeful that they – obviously, it's not hard to recognize the talent of Antonio Brown, but that they can recognize talent and they want to bring talented guys to Buffalo to win and they want to do – and they don't want to win next year. You know, it seems like there's a lot of uh, Buffalo seasons where Roy's thinking about, okay, well, they want to win – when they want to win next year oh we have a plan trust the process we're we're building for the future it looks like these guys they want to win and they want to win now and forget everything else that happened forget the last two decades of being a miserable bills fan they they want to build the buffalo into being uh i don't want to say a dynasty because obviously we've made the playoffs once in the last 20 years but into being uh uh constant and consistent playoff team which is would be very welcome to here in buffalo obviously something that we've been longing for for a very long time and with that let's get off of the antonio brown thing because that is depressing unfortunately (laughs) and we can talk about we can talk about some of the players that the bills have had interest in during the combine uh, I know you as assembled a, a pretty big list of the different guys and 
at which positions that these guys have uh, had meetings with the Bills and that there seems to be quite a bit of interest in. So why don't we go ahead and start off with that? Yeah, Actually, um, real quick, because there are a couple of guys, uh, one that I forgot to add to the list, um, they met with at the Combine. So that's Alabama running back Josh Jacobs. So he's part of that that list. Also, uh, I believe just this just this past week, um, it was an offensive lineman in Alabama State, uh, Titus Howard. So that's another guy um, they're connected to right now during this whole draft process. Okay. Uh, some of the other guys that you had written down here were Stanford running back Bryce Love, uh, and obviously. Uh, that's the only one you had written down at this point. Um, they still have shady, obviously. I don't know how big of a concern they are, uh, how big, how much they are concerned with running back right now. Uh, they've come out and said multiple times that they believe that shady McCoy is still going to be their guy, but, um, maybe that they're looking in the late, I, I would feel like maybe they're looking in the later rounds for possibly the future, uh, a successor to shady, um, They've also done quite a bit of uh, had quite a bit of meetings with wide receivers. Um, the kid from Stanford, I cannot pronounce his name. His last name starts with White. Or his last name ends with Whiteside. JJ Arcega Whiteside. Uh, Arcega. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely couldn't say that. Um, AJ Brown of Old Miss. Marquise Brown of Oklahoma. And some of the other ones, you know, Calvin Harmon, obviously you heard me pick him when we did the be, be the Bills GM for the day. And then uh, one of the big stories of the combine, he was trending on Twitter for quite a while as he had run a monster of a 40 yard dash at six foot three and 200, was he 230 plus pounds? I think he was something like that. Yeah. It was basically just the incredible Hulk running at you full speed. Yeah, that was watching that was kind of scary. Um, if you're on the other side of that, that's a that's a sick, almost a six foot four guy, two hundred and thirty pounds of just sheer muscle running a four three three forty yard dash. That's that's kind of that. Yeah, it was. It was I put it to you this way: buyer beware. It was scary to look at, but how effective is it on the field? That's that's the game changer. Yeah. Um, Going off of that, uh, some of the things that that some of you know some of the scouts and and um, you know some of the analysts were saying uh, on you know during the combine and stuff like that was obviously he was very he was very impressive um, with some of the drills that they did on the combine. But they go they went back and looked at the tape and they were saying that although he is uh, clearly impressive looking. Uh, how big he is in terms of muscle, his height, his weight, his speed, everything like that. They were saying that he won't really be running a whole big list of, of routes, so to speak in the NFL, um, that this guy may not necessarily be the number one guy that, that everyone is kind of making him out to be um, that he can't run, you know, you can't give him real complicated routes or anything like that, that he might not be able to run it and things like that. So that's kind of, that's what I heard. That kind of surprised me a little bit. I didn't, I did not know that obviously uh, about him. Well, the so thing is I, too, that, he hasn't really, I mean, outside of the injury that he suffered, he hasn't really played a ton of college games either. So, I mean, there, there isn't, a a plethora of work to to go off of and the thing is when he was on the field I want to say they mainly used him inside I mean that they had some talent obviously you mentioned AJ Brown um from Ole Miss and there were a couple other receivers that were on that team that one of the points scouts are making is that even though he was limited in his action when he was on the field, he basically overshadowed these guys. So is he going to be a project? Yes. Should he go in the first round? Maybe not. But again, it's the measurables. It's 
height, weight, speed. It's the raw talent. It's all these things that are going to have GMs drooling and going, am I going to be the guy that's, you know, going to trade up and do the Sammy Watkins thing? Right. Because that was, that was kind of a Sammy Watkins thing. He was, you know, he had the injury, but he was a great athlete and he was, you know, Clemson's top receiver and all this thing. Then he was, you know, taking the college wor- world by storm. So what do we do? We trade up, we take Sammy Watkins because we need a wide receiver. Oh, but, that was such a terrible. Right, but, Don't, why, why do you remind me of that? When we had, we had what, Khalil Mack sitting right there. You had Khalil like, Mack, you had Odell Beckham, you had all these guys that you could have taken, but oh that's what my. we did. And look how it turned out. So that's why I say buyer beware. I mean, it's a very attractive pick. I know our buddy Jerry over at Fantasy Football Fraternity, Great Lake Sports. You know, they're, he's like, he's, he's in love. The guy he's talking about, draft him. I'm buying his jersey. I'm watching him every week. Like, this is his guy. I'm not sold on him. I'm not sold on him yeah, because I've seen these athletic freaks show up before. I've seen these guys just wow at the combine. And my thing is the college experience. And that's why – that's one of the things I, I like about this regime is that one of their things that they look for is college experience. Has he started four years? Has he played, you know, three to four years worth worth of college ball? You know, they, they drafted a lot of seniors. They drafted a lot of guys that have started multiple games. And, you know, they they were contributors and leaders on their, their football teams. And it's translated. It has. I mean, you've seen guys come in and they've they've made a difference. And uh, I would say I would say more so, obviously, more so on the defensive side. I've, right. I mean, I mean, because that's where our focus was. Our focus was on the, defense, on the offensive so. side that's come in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but that's that's to be determined, right? Like, we're waiting to see how that really shakes out because they haven't put too much of an emphasis on, on the offense. I mean, the biggest move they've made yeah. so far is Josh Allen. That was, like, that was their yeah. thing. Yeah, I would say I think this is the year, honestly, for me, to either gain full and 100% trust in this quote process that they have going on uh, that they always talk about or whether or not I'm just going to be on Twitter doing the, the, you know, the hashtag fire McBean type stuff, because um, obviously they have good eye for, for defense. Um, but it, the first couple of seasons, I haven't seen a whole lot of uh, promise on the, evaluation of talent on the offensive side of the ball. So hopefully they can sway me this year. I'm hoping that obviously it's not a terribly, I wouldn't say it's a terribly strong draft for, for offensive players. Obviously they're saying it's a very defense heavy draft, especially early on. Um, But again, I mean, you got to hit on some of these guys in order for your team to be successful and in order for them to have a, you know, to start building a winning franchise here and to surely keep their jobs here, hopefully. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's kind of, that's kind of, and, and obviously a, a huge need. Um, I, you know, in the draft, they actually, I looked in, what was it, uh, was it Roto World? They had an article saying that um, – I, I forget who the article's by, but mock draft of the Bills taking uh, defensive tackle at Oliver uh, with the ninth overall pick. And is it a need? Yes, for sure. Uh, Kyle Williams left a hole in the middle of that defensive line. Um. For me, I want to. I would. I think I would rather try to trade back in the first round, hundred percent, totally. And maybe, and maybe get, you know, try to get better value for for what you're going to get with that ninth pick. Maybe even be able to get some more draft capital and trade up back into the back end of the first round, kind of like you did last year. I thought that they actually did a really good job after they. Uh, they obviously they had the two for but you know after drafting Josh Allen 
they turned around, they had a freak of a player in Tremaine Edmonds there uh, at, was it number 16, I believe. And they went ahead and they pulled the trigger and they were able to jump up to number 16 and, and pick Tremaine Edmonds, who I was a little iffy with at first him being so young coming out and he had some, some, some growing pains, I would say to start the season, but towards the end of the season, I really started noticing him and I, I thought he actually had a very strong second half to the season. So uh, I was very happy with that pick. So I hope it's kind of something like that where they take that ninth pick and maybe move back and maybe to the, the middle of the first round and then, you know, maybe be able to trade up into the, the back half of the first round and, uh, you know, fill some more holes on this team, you know, get that off that, that big offensive lineman that they really need, you know, halfway through the, the first round and then maybe try to get that wide receiver, you know, the pick of the litter, so to speak, wide receiver that they want at the back end of the first round. Uh, well, so that's that's my hope. Um, I don't know how you feel about well, it. Well, that was one of the interesting things about that whole Antonio Brown saga because reports were coming out that the deal was we get Brown and the Steelers' 20th overall pick in the first round. So we give up the ninth, we move back, so we keep a first round pick and we get Antonio Brown. That was like a solid deal to me. I was like, that's, that's amazing. We don't really have to give. we're giving up the ninth overall pick to get a, a all-star caliber wide receiver. And we, we just moved down 10, 11 spots, whatever, you know, like that's, that's great. That was, that would have been, yeah, phenomenal. I would have been excited about that. I get the excitement yeah. of having Antonio Brown on my team, plus still getting a first-round pick. But yeah, I definitely would have tipped my cap to him. Yeah, but my that's, cap to him if uh, that's not that was the deal. But that's not happening. So we're not we're not thinking about that. We're we're focused on the Which here is and now. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunate. But we're focused on the here and now. That's really unfortunate. So yeah, and the here and now <laughs> is, is what you said. It's what do they do with the ninth overall pick? Do they pick a player there? Do they just stay there, stay put, and we're going to go, all right, here's a guy, he's the right value, the right one that we need, we're taking him, or do they find a trade partner? And I'm, I'm, I'm on board with you. I, wanna, I want them to trade out. I think with how deep this class is in multiple positions that they could do themselves such a service by going, all right, we're going to give up the ninth pick, we're going to move down, we may accumulate a couple picks for this year, we might get some for next year, you know, like having a top 10 pick, you can you can make some moves here, especially if there's a team that goes, there's a prospect and it doesn't have to be a quarterback, mind you. It doesn't have to be a quarterback because I know that's that's the popular opinion is that if somebody's going to trade up, it's going to get a quarterback. My feeling is you'd, you'd have to be you'd have to be overly enamored with one of the guys that isn't Kyler Murray. You know what I mean? And that's assuming that Kyler Murray does go to Arizona. So I don't I don't know that you have to be with these, but we've seen this happen. Blaine Gabbert, you know, subpar to the below average quarterbacks getting overhyped and overvalued simply because of the position that they're in. But that's what's great about the Bills this year is that they're not one of those teams. They're actually the team that can take advantage of that. So regardless of who it is that this team is looking to jump up and grab, you can really come away with some solid picks and you can really bolster your team on both sides of the ball simply through the draft alone. And then now you've got, yeah. now you've got a, a plethora of young talent that you've drafted over the last couple of years plus this year. And that's hopefully that, and that's been their thing. We're going to build through the draft. We're going to build this team through the draft and it's going to be, it's going to take a little bit. You have, you know, it's it's one of those things where you're going to have to be patient with it because we do have a young linebacker, we do have a young quarterback. Eventually, I mean, you've got, you know, you're very young at receiver. I mean, Zay Jones is only going into his his third fourth year. You've got Robert Foster who's going into his second year. Isaiah McKenzie. I mean, you've got a lot of young talent. So again, and hopefully you're going to have another wide receiver to add into that mix. Right. So. <laughs> Essentially, what you're looking at here is a very young team 
now even though we we've had one of the older teams that's that's what this all this whole process there's that word again that's what this is all about it's about getting this team to to be younger to grow together and eventually have everyone kind of hit their stride and come into their prime roughly around the same time and the whole thing takes off Okay, now let me ask you this. If they stay at number nine as a GM, who do you, who are you taking? Oh my god. Who who do you want? Or what position? That's, I, even what position that's tough. That? That's tough. And that's tough because so much can shake up one through eight. I mean the like I said yeah. before, that Josh Rosen, Kyler Murray, Arizona Cardinals saga, that could totally change the landscape of the draft alone. And that's just pick number one. You know what I mean? So, so much can happen. So much can change. Um, But for me, I know the sexy pick for a lot of people is, is wide receiver because that's one of the most glaring needs and you've got the young quarterback and you need to surround him with weapons. And I get that, that that's totally makes sense. Nothing wrong with that, that line of thinking, but I am kind of an old school guy. I'm more of, not just give the guy weapons, but you need to be able to protect him. You need to be able to surround him with guys in the trenches that can keep him upright and give him the time that he needs to be able to make the plays that we've seen him capable of making. Um, Because you can give him all the weapons in the world, but if he has less than half a second to, to make a play, what does it matter? I mean, yeah, if he's running for his, if he's running for his life right. like he and was. Like, thing. We can't have our quarterback being our leading rusher. That's crazy. That that shouldn't happen. Yeah, that is. Yeah, that should. I don't think that yeah. should happen ever, in in any situation. Obviously, yeah. But so that, that's I mean, maybe that's old school thinking, also. But yeah, with a lot of these newer newer quarterbacks running around in the league, I'm just saying. Yeah, but. I, you know, my thing is, I always thought the quarterback's job was to throw the ball. So I want my quarterback throwing the ball. Don't want him running the ball. Don't want him taking all those unnecessary hits, especially if he's going to be your franchise guy. So, um, yeah, absolutely. You're right. I, I mean, uh, if I'm at number nine pick and I stay there, I'm probably drafting an offensive tackle, honestly. Or, well, yeah, probably an offensive tackle just because that's, we have to redo probably four fifths of the offensive line. So, I mean, you gotta take it where there's, where there's value in that pick. And that's, that's where you come out. Maybe, uh, maybe the uh, Jonah Williams from Alabama or the, the, um, the Greg little from, from old miss or something like that. They, uh, I don't know if it, I think I was reading is a Greg little's, uh, First round talent, correct? Yeah. That's so what I was reading. A, a lot of these guys that are on this meeting tracker list that I, I gave you, um, a lot of them first round yeah. talent. So first round talent off of that offensive tackle list, Cody Ford out of Oklahoma, Greg Little, Old Miss, um, Jawan Taylor, Florida, Jonah Williams, Alabama. Um, yeah. Dalton Reisner is a guy. Um, he's out of Kansas State. He could be a guy that um, – with how well he's been doing throughout um, this draft process could find himself sneaking into the first round. So they've got a lot of talent that they're looking at that they have plenty to choose from. Um, Personally, if I'm going down the line, I'm going um, maybe Jonah Williams, Taylor, Reisner, Ford, little. I mean, there's, like I said, they, The world is their oyster right now, depending on how those first eight picks go. Um, But again, they could look at it and go, we're sitting here at nine. We know we need wide receiver. We know we need offensive tackle. But say, you know, say a Joey Bosa falls all the way to to nine. Do you turn down Joey Bosa? Because you do need help on the the edge, rushing the quarterback. That's, That's tough. I don't, I don't. I don't know if you could turn down a guy who everyone is saying should probably be the first overall pick. If he somehow, some way drops all the way to nine, I think that obviously you're looking for value at where you're picking. That's, that's clear value at where you're picking. So you, you, I mean, if for, like I said, if for whatever reason he drops all the way to nine, 
I mean, you don't even really have a decision to make. You just hand in your card that says Joey Bosa and you, yeah. <laughs> you know, and like, and like you I make said, your pick. It's, it's a you, deep you draft. Can, you can get any of these guys later. Time. You can totally stock up on offensive linemen later. There's Andre Dillard, you know, that, that they can look at. Um, I know that they've been looking at, you know, offensive guards and centers too. I mean, but sake of argument, let's say free agency ends and they've picked up Matt Paradis from the Broncos and they did pick up Daryl Williams from Carolina, right? They signed these two guys. So yeah. right now your offensive line, we're talking bookends and the anchor is going to be Deion Dawkins, Matt Paradis, Daryl Williams. So right now you've got probably the three most important positions on your offensive line stacked with veteran help and talent. So you can go, well, we're going to forego the offensive line in the first round, get some help on the defense to rush the quarterback because you've got Jerry Hughes who has kind of taken a dip um, and he's also coming in. I think it's his final season in his contract. And you're, you, you got to get younger there. You know, Lorenzo Alexander's also uh, a kind of tweener guy. He, he does outside linebackers, sometimes puts his hand in the dirt. And, you know, you, you got to look for younger talent too along the defensive line. And depending on how free agency shakes out, it, it, uh, the whole landscape can change. So much can happen between four o'clock on March 13th and the time that Arizona goes on the clock in April. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy to, to think of every kind of scenario possible. Yeah. There, obviously there's tons of scenarios and you could, I mean, spend all day, every day up until the draft talking about all sorts of different scenarios. Do you really think that the, the bills are, are interested in, in, uh, was it Matt Paradis from, from Denver there? Um, reports are saying that this guy is going to be asking for a boatload of money. And uh, he was asking for so much money so that, that Denver kind of was like, well, have a good one and good luck to you. Um, well, the report was, like you said, the report so, was Buffalo's really, really interested. That was literally the tagline in the article that was put out was Buffalo is really, really interested in Matt Paradis. Um, Pouncey just signed an extension with Pittsburgh and he's 11 a year. So 11 million a year. And the report was Matt Paradis should be seeking 11 a year. So that's the, the market's kind of been set there. So you can at least expect the very least is going to be 11 million that he's going to get per year. So, do you think that that's going to be too rich for the for the Mick Bean, so to speak, to go ahead and make that splash and then sign? Well, that position at eleven million dollars a year. I mean, I know they have a a ton of cap space, but they also have a lot of different holes that they need to fill. And I don't know if they wanted to go ahead and spend eleven million dollars on a center. Um, so that's kind of I. I mean, I, historically, I feel like that's been money more so for like a left tackle or something like that. You know what I mean? Or a tackle than, than so an interior lineman. But um, obviously the center is a very important position. I mean, he's like the cat, he's the captain of the, the uh, you know, the whole offensive line there. Yeah. So you took, you took the words right out of my mouth because my, my comparison for a center and in, in his importance to the, the offense is if everyone looks at the quarterback as the quote-unquote field general, then the center is his lieutenant. He's the next guy in line. Why? Because he's the one that's, like I said, he's anchoring the offensive line. He is looking at the defense just like the quarterback is. He is calling out changes in, in line shifts and, and all sorts of stuff. He has to not only be a physical presence, but he has to be smart. And I think that's what is so intriguing about Matt Paradis is that, first of all, he was a late, I think, was he a late-round pick? Yeah, he was a late-round pick. Um, actually, I've got, I've got all the, the stuff here. I sent that to you as well. I was looking at free agency, and I was looking at guys that they were reportedly interested in. So, Matt Paradis, real quick. Sixth-round pick in 2014. Yes, so he was a sixth-round pick in 2014, and he started all 57 of his career games. 
So he's reliable, number one, okay? And you know he's a worker because he worked his way up from being a, all right, I guess we'll take this guy and see how it works out. You know, anything sixth, seventh round, That's those are throwaway picks. You never know what's going to happen. So what does he do? He works his butt off. He gets into the starting lineup, and he starts every career game that he that he has. And he's only allowed four sacks in 57 career games. So, yeah, that's, he's – That's going to that, – that, that's huge. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's huge. big. I mean, aside from that, that freak accident that he had, and the injury that he suffered, I mean, it's he's been reliable, and he's been a staple in that offensive line, and which is why he's so valuable. That's why they're trying to resign him. That's why people are saying he's the top center in the market this year. I mean, the, the, it's not for nothing. So, if he's worth eleven million, you know, per year, if he, if you got to give him eleven and a half, I mean, you tried to go out and get Antonio Brown, and you tried to justify that. Yeah. So, I could totally find a way to justify giving 11, 11 and a half to Matt Paradis. Why? Because he's going to be right there helping my young quarterback, looking at the defense, helping him make sure he's got the right calls and making sure that, that young offensive line is right where they need to be. I mean, he is just as important as the quarterback. So I'm totally going to invest in center and especially a veteran like Matt Paradis. Sign me up. I'm totally for it. Yeah, I don't think I would hate that. Obviously, I, you know, I, I want, I want everyone like you were saying before. Everyone likes the the sexy pick, so to speak, in the in the first round. But I think you and myself are on the same page as far as trading back um, and picking up, you know, an offensive lineman somewhere in the first round. There, if they if they were to do that, I would count that as a win. Obviously, for me, because that's what I want. I want to see them bolster that offensive line, and then when you get to this, maybe the second and third rounds, you can go ahead and look for your, you know, potentially look for your your number one wide receiver. Um, I mean, maybe, hey, maybe you don't even need a number one wide wide receiver, um, you know, anymore. You look at teams like Chicago. I mean, you know, he kind of spread, you know, Mitch Trubisky kind of spreads the ball around a little bit. I heard him saying at one point that he kind of likes not having a true number one receiver because, you know, he doesn't necessarily have, yeah, he doesn't necessarily have to feed that guy the ball all the time. He can just throw it to whoever's open. And, you know, that makes, that makes his job a lot easier as far as that goes. So, I mean, maybe that's kind of the route that they're going to go. This way, Josh Allen doesn't really have that pressure of, of having to feed a guy, you know, 10, 10, 11, 12 targets a game. It's, it's, well, um, the funny thing is, I mean, and I hate making the comparison, but it's the, the proof is in the pudding with it. New England, New England yeah. doesn't have a quote unquote true number one. I mean, we know who the top targets are Edelman, Gronkowski. Yeah, not for lack of trying. Right. Though. Right. <laughs> not for lack right. of trying. Went out and got Josh. Yeah. Edelman, Edelman, so. Gronkowski, those guys are the top targets, but. I mean, if you had to say who the number one guy is on that offense or who's been the number one guy, I think more times than not, you'd say Gronkowski, that that's the guy. But it's an offense that you just, you're distributing the ball. Who gets it the most? Yeah, Edelman and Gronk. I mean, they're probably the most talented guys on the field. And yes, they, they'll get the ball the most. But any given Sunday, oh, Chris Hogan come out with a couple touchdowns. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah it's, it's, uh, I, the more I look at it, the more, it, especially if there's not a true number one, or if they feel like there's not a true number one receiver in this draft, they go out and they get another guy that is, you know, he can run crisp routes that, yeah. you know, he might have a little bit of speed to beat guys over the top to kind of keep the defense honest, you know, maybe, a. uh, you know, they can have a one A 1A and a one B kind of thing instead of a, a, a an A and a B. Yeah. It's it's you know, match as far as what, as far as that goes. That's that's really what it is. It's match yeah. exploitation. So, so I, they, I, I'm I'm all for that. And as we talk about that, I would like to before we start wrapping this thing up, ask you what you thought about the UB Bulls and their two players. 
in this draft and how you think – did their draft stock go up or did they potentially go down from the combine? All right, so um, Tyree Jackson definitely helped himself, I think. Um, so I, I said, again, more information that I sent to you. Um, we already know the measurables. I mean, everybody knows he's the big quarterback. Um, the, the one interesting thing that I did see um, that I had to actually add to my list of, of things regarding Tyree was his quote-unquote ball speed. So I did see a report that they they took the, the speed gun and they were testing out on all the quarterbacks there. So they've been doing this the last few years, I guess. Uh, last year, they had Patrick Mahomes clocked in at 55 miles per hour. All right, so let me put this into perspective for you. All right, so a guy that I'm actually intrigued with in, in this draft as like a late round guy, uh, quarterback Brett Rippon out of Boise State. He's a guy who's been labeled with that that not you know pro level strong arm. That he's he's kind of like Nathan Peterman. Let me put it to you that way. Nathan Peter, Nathan oh, Peterman wow. doesn't have a strong arm, so he relies on timing throws. Right, that's his thing. In order for him to make the most out of his his God given talent, he has to get the ball there on time and, and he relies on that kind of game. So that's, that's what Brett Rippon has been kind of labeled as. However, when they clocked him, they clocked him at 59 miles per hour. So you explain to me yeah, how, kinda... how you got the guy that's been labeled with one of the weaker arms in this class gets clocked at 59, but Tyree Jackson, who's overwhelmingly been regarded as probably the strongest arm in the court in the class clocks in at 54 just a shade under Patrick Mahomes, who, mind you, is also a guy who was labeled to have a very strong arm. To which, to which uh, Pat Mahomes, right. has a, Pat Mahomes has a ridiculous right. arm. So, so my 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 joke about this after I saw that report come out was when they started clocking quarterbacks. Was this before or after Steve Smith Senior asked Tyree Jackson to dial it back during the the wide receiver gauntlet? Yeah. Because there's no way I you're gonna convince me that he throws a 54 mile per hour fastball. This guy is definitely throwing yeah. it a lot harder than that. Yeah, I, w- I would think so too. Um, so, what do you think? You think he had a had a good showing for for UB there? Do you think that he he bumped his draft stock up? Do you think it went down, or do you think it kind of stayed right? You know, they kind of, he, he was who they thought yeah, well, they were. He's got, he's <laughs> so got one more, uh, one more, one more event to kind of prove his physical prowess. So their pro day is coming up March 13th. And all right. So he, he basically wowed people at the combine physically, you know, he ran a four five, nine in his forties, which was second among the quarterbacks. And, you know, he had a decent broad jump and he was top five in his three cone drill and 20 yard shuttle. He was tied for first. He's tied for first in his broad right. jump with Daniel Jones. Yeah, so he has the first vertical among quarterbacks. Yeah. And obviously for such a big receiver, I mean, receiver for such a big quarterback, you know, I don't think you're expecting him to do super well on the cone drills, yeah. but, um, you know, so fifth in the cone, in the cone in the 20 yards. Yeah, so needless to say, he checked off all the boxes physically. No question there. And yeah. I honestly, as funny as a moment, it was that whole Steve Smith thing probably helped him even more that a veteran, a veteran so? wide receiver analyst had to come over to him and go, dude, you need to dial it back because you're hurting these guys. And I don't mean physically. I mean, they can't catch the ball because you're throwing it so hard. You need to help them out. So dial it back. If you got a guy who's throwing it that that hard, yeah, I'm I'm intrigued. I can't wait to see what else he's got in store. Because not only can he, he you know, he hustle when he's out of the pocket. We've seen that firsthand. But he can just Yeah. And and, and that's one of my knocks on him is that he doesn't always set his feet. I mean, but you and I know how strong his arm is because even though he's running out of the pocket, not setting his feet for a throw, he's still chucking it, you know, 40, 50 yards down the field. Yeah, in the the air. air. Yeah, so it's, I mean, and with ease, it's just, he makes it look easy. So right now, draft projection, 
round three to five, I think most people would have him. At the very least, he's solidified that. He's solidified that he's a, you know, a day two prospect, that somebody's going to look at all of his measurables and look at the tape and go, he's raw, but I'm a team with a veteran quarterback and I want to bring this guy in. Like, all right, let me put it to you this way. If Denver doesn't go Drew Locke in the first round, I could totally see John Elway looking at Tyree Jackson and going, oh, we're bringing that guy in and he can learn behind Joe Flacco. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't hate that. Uh, you got a Hall of Fame quarterback and a veteran quarterback, a Super Bowl winner who's, you know, hasn't been the – hasn't had the greatest season. I mean, he hasn't had terrible seasons, but he hasn't had the greatest seasons. But, uh, you know, a veteran quarterback who's been there can can coach this kid up a little bit and potentially help him correct some of the uh, mechanical issues that he has. And Joe Flacco is a big guy too, obviously. So maybe he can help Tyree kind of shorten up that throwing motion a little bit more so to kind of, to, you know, help him be, you know, project better into the NFL. Um, I honestly, even after watching him, you know, all his career at Buffalo, never really saw him as a starter in the NFL. I do see him as a very capable backup, a guy that can come in and, and, and be good. I think he's going to stick in the league just because of his pure size and arm talent. Um, but I don't know. I mean, maybe if, if he can correct some of those mechanical things, maybe somebody gives him a shot at, at starter and see how he yeah. does. I mean, for me, the more I think about it, the more I love Denver as a destination, not just for the, the reasons we've already stated, but I mean, it, his size and his ability to chuck the ball down the field is perfect for a place like mile high. I mean, you just, you, you're thinking about the wind up there and the elements and he's played in all of that here. So, you know, you could definitely look at him and go, Oh yeah, he'll definitely fit in perfectly here. And then it's a, again, aside from the quarterback position, it is a younger and up and coming team. They got a, a solid defense. They got Cortland Sutton up there, Philip Lindsay. I mean, it's a, nice young team and it would be a perfect place for him to go I think and uh, again the more I think about it the more I like Denver as an option Um, I do have it here that a couple of reported team meetings that he's had Carolina Detroit the Giants and Tampa so Tampa is another intriguing one for me simply because um, Winston isn't really solidified there it's more of we're might keep him around and He's really not our guy, so we might get rid of him. But you got Bruce Arians there, and Bruce Arians is like this quarterback whisperer. So, yeah, can you yeah, imagine would, six foot would... seven Tyree Jackson down in Tampa tossing balls up to to Mike Evans? I mean, I could. That would be amazing to watch. Yeah, I think that would be, yeah, I think that would actually be really fun to watch. I'm actually intrigued I, to watch the to watch that kid play in the, in the preseason in this upcoming preseason gives me something to look forward to in the preseason as normally I'm not real big on and on uh, blah, on any of the other teams in the preseason just kind of what the, what the Bills are yeah. doing. Um, what about Anthony Johnson? Do you think not running the forty time in the combine hurt him? Uh, obviously, I know he stated or they stated he was dealing with with a bit of an injury, so he. Um, you know, I don't know if that that kind of hurt him a little bit with with some of the other things that he, uh, you know, participated in. But um, I guess the draft projection somewhere around two to round four, right? Yeah. So for Anthony, Jones. yeah. So like you said, there's there's GMs and teams who probably would have preferred that he run, but this guy's character, his body of work. I mean. You and I saw the game against Temple where I, I believe not only was he sick, right? I think he had the flu or something, but he had just recently lost a friend to a tragic shooting, like a very close friend. And he came out in that game, and I think it was the first half. He didn't really do much because he was dealing with all that stuff, and it just he couldn't get it going. But by the second half, he just he, tore it up, and he, he helped Buffalo I mean, get a win there. Was it um, – I. I think I I was telling you why well, I think we were watching I don't know if we were watching that game together or maybe we were we were talking to each other um, via text or something like that. But I was I think I was saying that I don't see 
Anthony Johnson as a number one wide receiver coming into the NFL. And then he made that play at the end of the game where he breaks three tackles yeah. and wills his way to the end zone kind of for, for the bulls to win. And I, at that point I said like, Oh, there, there's the guy that I seen last year. And I think, I think um, that was the play that we found all that. that news out too. I don't think we knew prior to that play that he was dealing with all that, that he was sick and he had been dealing with a loss of a tragedy, you know, a, a a tragedy of a loss to a dear friend of his just 24 hours prior, I believe it was. So like, yeah, once, like the yeah, once you saw that play take place and you were, you already, wow. You were like, damn, that's a, that's an NFL yeah. caliber play there where he, he catches a short pass on a yeah. route, turns up field, breaks three tackles and it cruises into the end zone. And you're going, yes. But then, you find yeah. all this other stuff out and you go, Oh my God, that was even more amazing. Yeah, it, it definitely, I mean, his physical measurables are obviously uh, very good for, for an NFL wide receiver. He's six foot two. He's about 210 pounds. Um, I think honestly, if this kid can run a, a mid somewhere around a four or five, like a low four or five, Maybe even, I mean, I don't, I don't see the type of speed out of him that makes him a high four four kind of guy. But if I feel like if he can run a, a low four five, that's going to really bump his draft stock up because there's a lot of guys, you're a lot of uh, analysts out there and and whatnot saying that he's not a very, you know, he's not overly fast. So if he can show you some of that speed that can can kind of hold the defense off a little bit, I think that's going to help him possibly get into that second round, that second tier of wide receivers, possibly even the first receiver taken in that second tier of receivers. Uh, um, for a team to come in here and take, uh, you know, take a stab at him and, and see how he works out. Absolutely. Um, I, I honestly don't think he hurt himself at all at the combine. Um, like I said before, you know, the character, the, the work ethic, um, and the, the proven body of work, you know, he's done his job in, in college. So I don't think anybody would, would be too upset that he didn't do all of the positional drills there. So he's going to, he's got all this stuff lined up at the pro day. He'll, he'll do that stuff there. And I'm sure, you know, he'll, they'll just check off all the boxes again with him. They'll go, Oh, yep. He proved that, proved that, proved that. He is just an all-around solid prospect. Yeah, I just don't feel like anybody that gets him is going to be disappointed. And I, I'm honestly hoping he's one of those guys for us, that we're the ones that target Anthony Johnson second, third, fourth round, wherever you know he winds up for us. Because he is, he is, again, quote-unquote, he's that process guy. He's a guy that I feel like the Bills would fall in love with. Not only is he going to have that story of being a quote unquote local product because he's coming out of UB, but he's just, he's got everything that you would want out of an NFL wide receiver and a pro. And he's, he exudes all that stuff that McDermott and Bean always talk about. So I'd be thrilled if they, you know, they come up to the podium and they announce that Anthony Johnson is, you know, their pick in the second round. Let's, say for sake of argument um i know that, i don't think any of us would be unhappy about no, it definitely not but they're again teams that have been reported to have met with anthony already uh la chargers san francisco 49ers tampa bay bucks so i mean okay i think actually he, in tampa bay he would be a really good compliment to evans, mike yeah. evans and i think that that would be a fan fantastic duo yeah. i mean um, any of those places that we, we just mentioned would be great i mean la he gets to play with philip rivers and he's got uh keenan yeah. allen over there san francisco you know we, jimmy garoppolo will come back so he's got a young quarterback but they're in need of wide receivers so he can even emerge as the number one guy over there in the bay and then you've got you know the buccaneers and you've got bruce arians and you've got mike evans and you know, who knows? They might bring in a quarterback or if Winston, you know, yeah. if Arians is be able to revive Winston's career, that would be great for him too. So, I mean, the sky's the limit for Anthony Johnson. And I'm, that's another guy that I'm super excited to be able to watch at the next level. 
That is for sure. And on that note, I know I said this is going to be a short episode, I'm sure. But as you see, there's just a ton to talk about when it comes to the NFL, the NFL draft, the UB Bulls and their football team, and and just all the exciting things that are happening in and around the draft in Western New York. Mark, I would like to thank you again for jumping back on with me, being my football expert. Let me know all the different things that are going on with the Buffalo Bills. Um, make sure that uh, I'll be giving out more information as you get your your podcast or your potential podcast ready. Uh, well, you throw um, that term expert around rather loosely, but I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are, you are, I say you are my expert, so I appreciate it. You are my NFL, <laughs> you are my NFL guy. And if you, if, if your podcast comes out and uh, you do any sort of uh, talk about the NHL, I'm sure I'll be your, your hockey guy. So um, on that, I appreciate it. Thanks for joining me, everyone. Have a good one.